This is the We Are Going Up podcast. We've got the Football League covered. Ho, ho, ho. Hello and welcome to episode 109 of We Are Going Up. I'm Mark Crossley and as you can tell... It is our Christmas special 2013. No expense spared on the sleigh bells and so on. I uh, hope you have, or if you're listening after Christmas, have had a good Christmas. David Cameron Walker is here. Merry Christmas, sir. Merry Christmas. And you just told me you've just been sat opposite Alexa Chung on the tube. Have, it's a yeah. bombshell to start That's the good. show. Yeah, it's a good start to the day. Fantastic. Uh, shopping done? All organised? Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much all done. I did it in an hour yesterday. Blitzed Super. It. With an hour left to go at Westfield yesterday afternoon, did it all. Brilliant. Well, you know what? If you're listening to this show, on Christmas Eve and you're struggling for a present perhaps for someone why not get involved with Audible audible.co.uk slash going up is where you need to go uh, you can pass the time if it's Christmas Day you're sick of the relatives you've retired away upstairs free one month trial just uh, for going to watch. There'll be a lot of iPads and iPhones given to Christmas isn't it? So Absolutely. To give it with them. Just for going to audible.co.uk slash going up. And what do they get if they go to audible.co.uk slash going up? a free audiobook from tens of thousands. Pretty much every book you can ever imagine ever being written. Absolutely. There's an audiobook on audible.co.uk slash going up. So it's free from them. Get on there, audible.co.uk slash going up. Before we go any further, the FSF Awards. The Bible on there. <laughs> I think it probably is. Yeah, yeah good, that's a hell of a long listen. Um, the FSF Awards last week. Uh, don't give away the result because we're going to play the highlights later mm. in the show. Uh, but did you enjoy the evening? Uh, very much so. Absolutely. It was you? chaos, wasn't it? Yeah. Absolute chaos. We'll have highlights of our night at the Emirates Stadium later in the show. Plus, coming up on the show, reaction to Eddie Boothroy losing his job. Watford have got a new manager. We have squirrel news from Loftus Road as well. We're also going to be speaking to Stephen Thurkill from the Mansfield and Ashfield Chad as the pressure grows on Paul Cox at the One Call Stadium. The Stags were 2-1 up against Accrington going into injury time on Saturday. But somehow they contrived to lose 3-2 and they are now on a horrible run of 12 games without a win, hovering above the relegation zone. So Stephen will be coming on later but first let's start in Gloucestershire with Cheltenham Town the Robins lost out in the playoffs yet again last season losing to Northampton in the semi-finals and they started sluggishly this campaign losing six of their first 12 uh, but they've been unbeaten in 10 since uh, which is at ease the pressure on Mark Yates they won 2-0 at Fleetwood on Saturday and they're just four points off the playoffs one man who was there at the weekend and watches them every week is John Palmer who's a Cheltenham Town reporter for the Gloucestershire Echo Citizen and Western Daily Press newspapers and we're delighted to say that John is on the line right now to talk to us. John, thanks very much for coming on the show. Uh, first of all, let's start with Saturday if we can. Was that Cheltenham's best performance of the season so far? Yeah, I think it was the best performance all round because they, Fleetwood, obviously a highly rated team, spent a bit of money and expected to be up there this season and to go there and score right at the start and then uh, defend as well as they did right till the end and then get one in injury time. It was a really good all round performance. So I'd say it's probably, there's been a few good ones and a few bad ones, but I think that was probably the best all round so far. So uh, 10 unbeaten now, a win over promotion chasing Fleetwood who have been right up there all, all season. Although it was a slow start this season, do you think that now there is a real realistic prospect that Cheltenham and Mark Yates can be in that playoff picture, if not automatic again this season? Yeah, I think it's been it's been a steady improvement after, like I said, a very bad start. And because Cheltenham have been up there the last couple of years and missed out in the playoffs, I think everyone just expected them to be up there again this season. But it didn't start how they planned. But they're definitely um, looking week, week by week. And I think the last two years they've fallen away a little bit after looking like they had a chance of automatic promotion. This year, hopefully, they can peak at the right time and finish strongly because that, that's been a feature of Mark Yates' management. They've started well and finish the season poorly so hopefully it'll be the other way around this time uh, and as we recorded this morning I believe you've just been speaking to uh, to Mark Gates the manager uh, what sort of spirits is he in uh, ahead of the Christmas period yeah he's, he's very confident he's given his players Christmas day off which is uh, a, a rarity. reward for, the, for their recent form yeah I think, I think he kept them guessing but he's told them today that they're off so um, no turkey he, though <laughs> no he's, he's given them uh, a bit of instructions about what they need to do what they need to eat or not eat probably the more important case and not drink not but, drink I think would be the main one yeah yeah. <laughs> so they're, they're all they're all very dedicated and uh, all he wants in return for giving them Christmas Day off and a decent result against Exeter on Boxing Day why do you think um, it was such a slow start this season people are, are one of the cliches is all the playoff hangover um, not getting promoted in the playoffs again was there a lot of change over the summer what can you put it down to yeah I think it was I don't think it was much missing out in the playoffs um, because I think it was much more disappointing the year before when they actually missed out Wembley 1-0 uh, to, to crew 2-0 in the final sorry and uh, last year I think they realised they weren't quite good enough and, and even though it was disappointing to miss out in the playoffs I don't think that was the case I think it was a case of rebuilding 
losing a couple of really important players. Marlon Pack was probably one of Charles' best players last season. He left to join Bristol City in the summer. They really missed him. and It took them a while to replace him in midfield. They've got a player in called David Noble from Rotherham now who started to play that role, playmaking role just in front of the back four, and he's made a big difference. Um, and some of the other players who came in who had slow starts that the big things were expected of uh, that have been promoted in this league before. People like Matt Richards, for example, in midfield, he's really starting to come into his own now. So it's just, I think it has um, another cliche, not not so much a playoff hangover, but just gelling all the new players together and, and getting used to how they play. And I think that Mark Yates has found a system that works diamond midfield uh, with Noble just in front of the back four and then a player just off the front two. It's quite narrow, but it allowed the, the full-back space like to get forward and it, it's working really well now. Just looking over the Christmas period now, the game's coming up. You've got Exeter City uh, at home, the team directly below you in 12th position. Mansfield, who are struggling, uh, not one in ages. Bristol Rovers, who have been down there. And then uh, you've got, after, just after the new year on 4th of January, uh, league leaders Chesterfield. So a bit of a mixed bag of fixtures, but certainly opportunity to pick up more points. Yeah, I think if you get to Fleetwood and win 2-0, most people would... Uh, be pretty confident going into the home games, which Elton's home form hasn't been great this season. They've drawn their last or they've only won two games at home in the league all season, so their away form has been a lot better. So I think one of the keys they are going to get up there in the playoff shake-up or, or even automatic motion is to start winning games at home. And Exeter aren't bad, a bad side; they had a really good start. And you know, for people, Cheltenham to be above them now really does show how they've dropped and how Cheltenham have improved. Because a few weeks ago, they, they, Cheltenham were, were nowhere near Exeter, so I think. Um, couple of home results would make a big difference now that's, that's the key I think I noticed that Mark Yates uh, said I think it was a month or so back that he was sick of uh, defensive mistakes has the defence tightened up a lot over the last few games yeah I think the defence has really improved since Steve Elliott came back from injury um, he missed uh, he had a bit of a rest and they, they thought he looked tired and he was making mistakes and they gave him a few weeks off then he picked up an injury so it was a bit of an extended layoff came back in the FA Cup against Tamworth in the second half since then He's, uh, he's made a big difference at the back. 35-year-olds played 500 games his career and he's, he's held things together at the back and the, the mistakes have been cut out and they, they weren't doing that much wrong before in terms of tactics or getting outplayed by teams and, and getting thrashed. It was just, it was stupid errors costing them dear at really important times. So I think they've cut that out and just got used to playing with each other and that's probably been the key to improved results. One of the new players that arrived in the summer was Jamie Curtin uh, from Exeter City who, who are the next opponents I dare say he'll probably score in, in that game. How, how's he been doing uh, this season? It's remarkable that his career seems to be you know, at 38 now and still scoring goals but perhaps not as many as Cheltenham Town fans would have liked this season. Yeah, I spoke to him in the build up to Saturday's game and he said that he, he's really disappointed to have only started eight games up to that point in the league. He's, he started nine now but he scored four goals in that time so he has got a decent strike rate but he's been hampered by he dislocated his shoulder on the opening day of the season after scoring against Burton that put him out for about six or seven weeks that was that really didn't help then he came back he's had a couple of little niggles so he has shown flashes of brilliance he's got his 250th career goal uh, which is a really good finish against Dagenham and he's, he's scored a couple of absolutely brilliant goals that I don't think anyone else in the Cheltenham team would have even thought about scoring but he's he's had these little niggles which I think uh, yeah, you're probably going to get that every now and then especially coming back from a, a long-term shoulder injury so he's, he still looks fit though for 38 you know he's not like he's, he doesn't look like he's finished he thinks he, I think he's got a lot more still to offer but he hasn't really had a decent run of games to show what he can do and the other strikers have done quite well in his absence so he's, he's got a bit of a battle on his hands to try and hold down a, a regular place um, but as is often the case in League 2 the, the Cheltenham squad isn't the biggest uh, and it does include a, a smattering of loan players including David Noble as you mentioned but coming into the transfer window and the loan window after that do you think there'll be an opportunity for, for Yates to add to the squad if he wants to I mean does he need to? The last couple of years, he's had uh, FA Cup runs to the third round against Tottenham and Everton, which brought in massive money, you know, relatively speaking, for Cheltenham. Allowed him to do quite a lot of business in January. This year, because they went out of the FA Cup in the first round to Tamworth, there's, there's not much money available. The biggest challenge is probably going to be keeping Noble until the end of the season. That, that's something everyone wants to see, and I think Mark Yates is quite confident. Other than that, I think he's going to have to generate funds himself. But if he wants to get players in, he's going to have to offload players. There'll be a couple that aren't featuring at the moment that'll probably be um, looking to leave free up a bit of money but he's not going to be given much but the chairman's already said that Paul Baker that he won't be giving him as much as they, they got last year because they haven't had the cup run and has Mark Yates by sort of doing so well and getting in the playoffs the last couple of seasons and getting close to promotion put himself under pressure with the fans because I mean was there a lot of uh, bad feeling towards Yates during this, this bad run to start the season what is the expectation this season mm, but, yeah there, there was a bit of moaning and groaning at the season but I think Yates accepted that because it was, was pretty poor and even worse than, than anyone expected but Cheltenham aren't a big club in League 2 they finished 
I think they're 12th in terms of budget in the division, and they finished obviously in the playoffs the last two years. So, like you said, he has raised his own expectations. So he won't mind that. He's very ambitious. He's doing his UEFA Pro license. He definitely wants to manage at a higher level, and I think he knows that if he does a good job here at Cheltenham, he will have a chance of doing that. But the fans are expecting this season. I think they, they need to realise that it's not easy to keep building when you lose a couple of your best players. It's not easy to keep being up there when they don't get massive crowds. You know, they haven't got somebody pumping millions and millions of pounds in like Fleetwood have. So if they can get up there again this season and be in and around the playoffs for Sergio and Real, I think that would be a great achievement. But it, it shouldn't be taken for granted. No, absolutely not. And I think you know, it shouldn't be taken for granted just how good a job Mark Yates has done over the course of his time at Cheltenham. I think it's pretty much four years to the day since he, since he took over as manager back in 2009, December 2009. He's making him one of the longest serving managers in, in, in the Football League now, surely. And, and you just look at Northampton, who were in the player final last season and now, you know, bottom of the Football League and have sacked their manager. Uh, it's not easy to, to come back season after season and keep being consistently good and punch above your weight. Yeah, Torquay got to the playoff final one year. They lost the semi-finals to Cheltenham the next year and they've really struggled mm. um, this last season and this season. I think Northampton, again, are finding it difficult. So it's not easy to keep getting up there. And Yates is, yeah, four years, as you said. Cheltenham's longest-serving football league manager now in terms of just in the football league. He's just gone past John Ward's length of reign and he has taken the couple a long way forward in that time. When he, when he came in, they were struggling on and off the pitch, um, financial problems, and he, he didn't have much money at all. He had a really small budget there, so they had to get themselves um, on a financial, sound financial footing. Um, the first couple of years gradually improved, and then they had the run to the playoff final, and he's, he's shown that he's, he, he can really pick a player and attract a quality of player that Cheltenham probably aren't used to having uh, with the money they, they throw around. It's, he really has got a, a good, good contact, gets really good loan players in, and um, he gets a bit of criticism for his tactic, his ability to change the game with substitutions, but I think that's shown signs of improvement as well. So he's by, he's by no means perfect, but I think Cheltenham are lucky to have him. Obviously, he's a popular player at Cheltenham as well. So he's, um, yeah, I think he's, he's done a good job and it shouldn't, shouldn't be uh, underestimated. Great stuff. John, thanks very much for coming on. Enjoy the uh, the busy Christmas period. I imagine you've got about three or four games, haven't you, in the next week? Yeah, it's going to be good. It'll be uh, wet and windy, but uh, hopefully some points on the board. Good stuff. Thanks, mate. That's uh, John Brilliant. Palmer, who is the Cheltenham Time reporter for the Gloucestershire Echo, uh, Citizen and Western Daily Press newspapers. And next, we're going to focus on a team who are eight places below Cheltenham in the League Two table. Right, so to the East Midlands and a dramatic afternoon at the One Call Stadium on Saturday. Mansfield Town badly, badly in need of a win. A leading Accrington Stanley 2-1 going into injury time. However, a few minutes later, game over and they somehow have lost 3-2. And uh, the Natives are not happy with manager Paul Cox at all. 12 games without a win in all competitions. They also missed out on that chance to play Liverpool in the FA Cup when they lost to Oldham in midweek. On the line right now, uh, we've got Stephen Circle from the Mansfield and Ashfield Channel and we had Stephen on the show earlier in the season. Stephen, you were there on Saturday. What was the uh, the reaction like at full-time? Well, pretty hostile, as you can imagine. I mean, um, everyone's obviously so desperate for the win. Mansfield, they're, they're in a bit of a state at the moment, and obviously you look at the drop zone and they're getting ever nearer to it. Two on up in the night third minute, you think, thank God we, you know, we've got the win. Two minutes later, it's uh, it's all changed. And uh, yeah, a, a lot of anger at the team, a lot of anger at uh, Paul Cox. It's obviously the frustrations, you know, they started the season so well and uh, it's, it's just gone to pieces. Um, obviously, the last time they won was the uh, 20th of September in that memorable one at Chesterfield. They won that to go third. Accrington, at that time, the bottom of the league. On Saturday, Accrington got above them. So it shows you the extent of the slump. There's a lot of anger towards the manager, perhaps at the final whistle. There were, there were boos, Cox is under big pressure, but surely you know, the players have got to take a big uh, slice of the responsibility for a defeat such as this. When you're 2 1 up with a couple of minutes to go, you simply should not yeah. be losing football matches. You've got to be professional and shut the game out. That's it. And it's something that um, will really frustrate Paul Cox, obviously. You know, it goes without saying he's going to be annoyed that they've lost. All through the season, this is something that he's, he's talked about, uh, of giving goals away at stupid you know, times. He's like two minutes before half-time, two minutes before full-time, obviously in this case, in injury time. It's a message that he's tried to hammer on for, for many occasions of, uh, as you said, being professional, keeping it tight, winding that clock down. And uh, it, it just didn't happen. I think what makes it even worse is after he's not set three shots on target all game, scored them all. That tells you your hook's not going for you. And, and it's not as if, you know, maybe you could look at it, say, newly newly promoted team to the league. If it was an inexperienced team and hadn't played much, you know, the players hadn't played much league football before, then it, this is the sort of thing that perhaps could happen if they weren't used to the fitness levels and, and the step up in class, perhaps. But there's a lot. Of team uh, players in their Mansfield team who've got league experience and they are actually quite experienced. 
Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's uh, early in the season as well. They're obviously really, really solid. That defence was, uh, you know, it was watertight. But now they seem to, you know, they've conceded three against Oxford, three against Accrington. It's just the, the, the shape's coming out of the team. It's, sort of, it's the composure that's gone, really. Although there are players with the experience, as you mentioned. Uh, obviously, Adam Murray's been brought back in, which is one of the massive talking points. Um, they just seem to be losing the confidence because they're helping heads are going down and there's no belief there. I think there's a lot of sort of chopping and changing with the team lineup as well, particularly up front. It's, uh, it's not a settled team, it's not a confident team, and uh, they desperately need that win to obviously uh, uh, try and get back on track. It looked like it was going to happen on Saturday, but it didn't. And now there's three away games out of four, tricky games coming up, and uh, you have to fear for Cox, I'm afraid. Just um, you mentioned Adam Murray there. Um, just to this is weird, isn't it? Pause on that for a second. This is something that passed us by actually when it happened uh, back in November. But just doing research for this, I've noticed that Adam Murray, so the assistant manager, yeah. was sent on loan to Worksop <laughs> Town in the Northern Premier yeah. League, and he's, he's now since returned to the club. Uh, he had a, he had an, uh, an argument or a public row with Paul Cox. That must be the only time ever assistant manager been sent on loan to another club. Definitely. I mean, it wasn't just uh, Worksop. He actually had to work Raymouth as well initially before going out to uh, Worksop. I mean, wow. for whatever reason, it's uh, something that um, hasn't been particularly made public. Obviously, there was a massive fallout between the two behind the scenes. It seemed that they couldn't work together. And uh, and as a result, Murray left. Um, I know that um, they obviously uh, to sort of get rid of him, buy his contract out. And uh, Murray said, I'm, I'm stopping. I'm stopping at Mansfield Town. And, uh, he, you know, he's, he's eventually back now. But obviously, he's, he's done the rounds. And, uh, it's a bad moving away for Paul Cox. You know, I think they want to get rid of him. I think he's been told by Radford to, to bring him back along with Mickey Moore, the, uh, you know, the, another one of the assistants. And um, I guess that uh, shows that perhaps it's not 100% faith in Paul Cox from the, the people above him, that the fact he's bringing people back that, that Cox doesn't really want there. It's, uh, it's a shame that split happened. It's just a sign of our Mansfield Town now this season, it seems, because obviously Adam Murray is, uh, is one of the legends of the club and a uh, proud captain of Mansfield Town. He gives it his 100%. And... Uh, you know, he was one of the, we've got iconic pictures of him uh, on the pitch after the final whistle when they uh, beat Wrexham to win the league, um, you know, lifting the toffee aloft, uh, everything sweetness and light. And hmm. as I say, he's, he's one of the, he's one of the Manchester of Town heroes. I was going to ask about Radford because we talked to you about him earlier in the season. Paul, yeah. Co- Paul Cox has obviously got a lot of credit in the bank for getting Mansfield back into the Football League. But what kind of owner is Radford? Do you think he's the kind of owner who will stick with Paul Cox as things get much worse than this? Or is preserving that Football League status that they've worked so hard to get back the most important thing and he'll make a change? Last week going into it, we said how oh, this was going to be a pivotal week in terms of you know if they beat Oldham, you know, and getting Liverpool and uh, you know beating Accrington and getting some wins, you know, getting another win under the belt, that things would start changing. I think this week coming up now, these next two weeks crucial. He's got three games, uh, Rochdale, Cheltenham, Burton. Um, if he doesn't get some good return out of that, I think they'd be gone, especially with the transfer window approaching. Uh, Rochdale's not going to be an easy game. They're doing well. Uh, Cheltenham are doing okay as well. And then, and then Burton Albion coming to, uh, to the one They're doing all right. They're seven, they're seven yeah. unbeaten as well, so that's three tough yeah, games. Yeah, they're, exactly, they're flying. And then uh, you're going down to Exeter instead of Liverpool on the first, you know, 4th of January. Massive game there. And with the transfer window opening, uh, he's, a, Radford, he's a, man, a guy that will stick with his uh, manager. You know, he did that during the conference years when a lot of fans were calling for Cox to be Stats, you know, during the promotion season, but but as you say, with, with football league status on the line, it's taken five years to get back there. You, you can't hang on much longer. If twelve games from the, uh, without a win turns into fifteen games without a win, then the pressure will be you know really cranked up from the fans, especially if they, you know if they get turned up by Burton fairly easily at home. I, I can't see how they'll hold on to him, I'm afraid. And uh, when it rains, it, it pours. In the midst of this terrible run. Um... Uh, last week, Sam Klukas, the top scorer, yeah. uh, was ruled out for up to eight weeks with ankle ligament damage. So, you know, the transfer window certainly does look very important from that perspective. Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, Klukas obviously is a massive player. He, he, 11 goals this season. And if you go back uh, below him, you're looking at sort of four or five goals. You know, top scorer. So, uh, he just underlines importance. And uh, obviously, you know, he's a player that's attracted attention. Uh, you know, rumoured to attract the attention anyway of Forrest and other teams in the Championship. He's a guy that he might not be experienced, but he's certainly got the ability and the little trickery that Mansfield Town need right now. They need someone to, you know, have that little bit of extra something special just to, you know, get a bit of magic and get him back on the feet. It's uh, Ben Hutchinson as well, another one of the strikers. He's out for uh, six weeks. So the, the look's not there. I mean, you look at the uh, Wimbledon game, they drew 0 0 with Wimbledon. Uh, their keeper pulled off three absolutely blinding saves. You know, even if he pulls off two blinders and the other one goes in, they've won one nil, and uh, I think one win it can change it all. But it's whether Cox has got that time now. It does show how ridiculously tight this division is. That stat that yeah. you said at the beginning about them being right at the top, and then Accrington now overtaking them. Um, 
you've seen obviously what are we 21, 22 games in now. I'm sure you've seen quite a lot of teams in this division. Where do you yeah. think Mansfield sit amongst the league? I mean, where, you, where, where is their natural position? Do you think? Probably lower mid, lower mid table. I'm not sure they're quite bad enough to uh, to be relegated. I, I don't think they're going to get relegated. Obviously, they're in a terrible run, but two or three wins, you know, in fairly quick succession, they'll move back up that table and they'll be they'll, they'll be they'll be looking okay. I think it all comes down to the goals, really. They're so heavy and focus. Um, you know, losing Matt Green is the one that that, that killed them. Really, they've uh, had to change the way they play completely this season. Um, in terms of not being able to just sort of put the ball over the top quickly and you know get into the channel. Defence is pretty solid. Central part of the midfield's pretty decent as well. It's just it needs a bit of fine tuning, I think. You know, a couple more players come in the transfer window, a definite goal scorer and someone that can sort of get their feet on the ball in midfield and uh, they seem to get that shape back, I think. We need to get that belief back. That's that's one of the key you know in sport, you know, confidence and, and belief is a massive factor as well as the ability that you've got. Uh, they're a better team than where they are at the moment. They're not going to be challenging for the playoffs, but uh, if you look at Wimbledon last season, I think they avoided relegation last day of the season, didn't they? They're, they're doing OK this season. They've stabilised themselves. I think uh, a lot of that is what Mansfield Town need to do. Get this bad run out of the way, stabilise themselves, take a look at next season and just, just rebound that team and you know get a stronger squad. Just looking back at some of the, the recent um, results and some of the comments from Paul Cox after the game, going back to the start of December, the the 2-1 loss to Morecambe after yeah. that game uh, Paul Cox said this is as angry as I've been since I joined the club it's gone way past frustration we've talked about injuries and suspensions but this is basics it's not like me to get annoyed but the gloves are off and there were some hard words said in the dressing yeah. room so that was a month ago and then and the slump still continues would, would the chairman uh, perhaps look at that sort of comment and think well you know you've said that you've kind of got stuck into the players now and enough's yeah. enough but it still hasn't changed yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, uh, as I said earlier, I think the uh, fact that Adam Murray came back and Mickey Moore came back, that, that wasn't at Cox's uh, desire, I don't think. That was uh, John Radford, uh, I believe, saying, look, we, we need them back. We need something to change. We need, you know, we need more stability at this club and bring Murray back with experience. I think it's almost a stepping stone. That's, that's the first part of it. Second part is a results changing after that. No, they're not. Sorry, I think we're going to have to part company. Are they changing? Yes. The job's yours to... You know, to keep going on with it's a it's a massive week this week. Eh? It's massive. You know, obviously Christmas. We all know about Christmas and how many points you can get over it, and uh, how the games come thick and fast. But I can't see that run of uh, not winning being extended for for a long time. And uh, Radford saying, you know, not saying things after terms, especially to say with you bring a new manager in, transfer window opens. What's the point in bringing him in February when you can't do it? Anything and he's stuck with players that probably you know some of them players that aren't good enough. True, something's got to change soon. Stephen, thanks yeah. very much for coming on the show. We appreciate yeah, it. Pleasure. Merry Christmas, no mate. Take care. Yeah, thank you. Take care. That's uh, Stephen Thurkill from the Mansfield and Ashfield Chad uh, talking about Mansfield Town. Right now, it's time for the latest in our My Club series, the bit of the show where we give Football League fans 125 seconds to tell us all about their club, all to celebrate the 125th anniversary of the Football League. And today, the focus is on Leicester City. This is We Are Going Up, my club in 125 seconds. Hello, my name's Damon Carter and my club is Leicester City. So, Damon, do you remember your first ever Leicester game? I do, yeah. It was uh, Leicester v Barnsley, um, 1993 FA Cup, um, two all. And I remember distinct. I think Steve Thompson scored the penalty. I think, and David Oldfield got a cheeky equaliser at the end. I, I certainly remember my first ever Leicester game. We'll see if you do too. Um, 95-96, last day of the season at Vicarage Road. Uh, Enel yes. Heskey, one 0 victory, sent us down, and you went up. <laughs> or did you get? No, you got into the playoffs. Yes, actually, it was. I'm going to correct you there. It was Muzzy, is it? Um, he scored the header. Oh, was it uh, Heskey? Did Heskey cross it? And is it That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Muzzy yeah. slotted it in. Like yeah, there was eight thousand Leicester fans. Yeah, it was a great game. That was. I remember that because we clapped the Watford fans off. Uh, the Watford oh. players off actually. A little bit patronising, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, slightly, slightly. Damon, um, you've, you've obviously seen Leicester get promoted and uh, win the, the League Cup and so on. What's been your, your favourite moment as a Leicester fan? It's got to be Steve Claridge in the playoff final at Wembley. Because even though the League Cup was a year later, the moment that when Claridge scored the goal was just incredible because it, it was a long ball upfield. Callak had just come on uh, to go in goal. Um, shocking goalkeeper, really. Terrible goalie. And... Um, Julian Watts, I think, headed it down. And from my position, Claridge just walked up to it. And I went, yes, brilliant, into the stands. And then it, it just hit the net. And I, I was like, oh, got promoted. <laughs> it, it was just so surreal. And so, it, you know, the elation was just amazing. Never forget it, never forget it. Uh, and got to ask a question about this season. Really impressed with the victory at the weekend. Do you think you can do it yeah. and go up automatically? I think, yeah, I think we can. But I think um, the main worry for me is that there's a lot of Leicester players 
coming out of contract at the end of the season, good players like Casper Schmeichel, Wes Morgan, I think David Nugent, I'm not 100% sure. And I'm just worried, one, that we're going to get our players nicked, and two, that they might suddenly start not wanting to play as hard as they can do because they're thinking about the next contract. That's my big question mark. Interesting. Uh, Damon, your two minutes is up. Thanks very much for coming on, mate. Merry Christmas. You too, mate. My club in 125 seconds. We are going up. We've got the Football League covered. So we'll have another one of those on the show next week and we'll talk some more Leicester in our weekend review in just a second. But first, DC, I'm going to hand you this. We have some emails to share. So I don't know if you you want to... uh, I'll I'll start off with... In fact, you start off with the first one. Uh, Basically, last week we asked uh, people listening to this show internationally to get in touch with us via email. Let us know where they're listening. And the first one is from Casey Moore. Casey Moore, yes, all the way from the USA. Hi, guys. Just letting you know, even though we don't have promotion or relegation, the US has five divisions. Three uh, pro slash semi-pro and two amateur leagues. So just you can see what we do in the lower divisions, here are some scenes from Detroit City FC in the fourth tier of US football. So we'll post this picture up on on our Twitter. It's magnificent. It it looks like something you'd see in uh, the Bombonera. (laughs) It does. You know, River Plate and uh, Boca Juniors or or Galatasaray's flares everywhere. There's there's banners. Uh, It looks fantastic. Yeah, very violent. Fourth division. Indeed. a great supported little club. I've been listening to your pod for three seasons now. Started doing West Ham in a championship. Love the pod. Keep up the good work. Thanks very much, Casey. Next one from Dennis Lindrews. Hi, guys. Season's greetings from Finland. I've been listening to your show for, for two years. Over here, you hardly see any football league games on TV, but I'm happy just to listen to the banter on your show. Uh, that's what you want to call it. I developed an interest in club football 10 years ago, but it wasn't until the Borough went into the championship that I realised I'm interested in the, in the lower leagues in particular. And who can argue last day of last season was absolutely incredible. Proud to have experienced such excitement and drama whilst a lot of people over here didn't have a clue. Cheers, Dennis. Wonderful. That's Dennis in Finland. Next one is from AJ. Uh, what's up, dude? <laughs> <laughs> Great start. My name is AJ and I'm a new listener from Los Angeles. Wow. Uh, I promised myself this year I was going to follow the championship a bit closer and the premiership a little less. Good man. So I did some research and came across your guys' podcast on iTunes. Uh, excellent. Uh, my first episode was when you guys started out the pod with a spilled <laughs> beer on a laptop and burritos in your mouth. At that moment, I knew I was onto something good. Yep. See? It was, it it was worthwhile all sort the time. Uh, we don't have any relegation battles in the US sports, but I wish we would inherit that from your game. If your team isn't good, you simply suck. That's it. I'm a Raiders fan. Therefore, my team simply sucks. My favourite championship team is, well, another team that simply sucks. Sheffield <laughs> Wednesday. Uh, the story goes, I once met Jarvis Cocker on tour over here in LA. I went up to him and told him that I had one question and one question only. He looked at me and I asked him if he was either a Wednesday or a Blades fan. He said Wednesday. I've been a Wednesday supporter ever since. Are the Arctic Monkeys Wednesday fans he asks they are they are yes brilliant there you go uh, P.S. if you happen to be in LA let me know our beer is just as good and the girls over here have <laughs> bigger butts cheers AJ we Top going up. to LA this year at any time let's pencil it in hello to, to Luke Hacken guys we have three fully professional tiers in the US the MLS the North American Soccer League and the United Soccer League's professional division we also have our own knockout cup competition that goes all the way down to the semi-pros called the Open Cup as for who you should adopt as your lower division club well we've already adopted who are the other ones we've already adopted uh, Detroit City FC he says uh, I can't really say the reborn New York Cosmos Cosmos are still in the second division for the foreseeable future but they don't need the support really so I'll say the Rochester Rhinos Big fan of the sounds Rochester like Rhinos. The, an NFL team since they're the last lower division side to win said Open Cup thanks to all of you for doing what you do it's great to be able to keep up with the goings on in the Football League from afar and UTO so I presume that's up the owls and the final Another one Sheffield Wednesday the final one I think so yeah wow they really do have a big support. They do. Uh, the final one, DC. Uh, this is from Tor Johan Norheim. Lovely. Listening weekly to your podcast from up in Tromso, northern Norway. I don't support any football league team in particular, but I love the tension. I'm a big fan of the strong identity many lower league clubs possess. Would like to see Derby and Leeds back in the top flight next season, but it's not like draws or losses ruin my weekends. That's like the perfect way to find <laughs> uh, As for adopting overseas lower league sides, I really can't recommend any team from Norway. There's little passion and even less trivia to be found. Sad, but true. Love your show, though. Keep it up. Uh, Merry Christmas. Thanks, Merry tour. Christmas tour. So, if you're an overseas listener and want to get in contact, we are going up.co.uk slash contact. Fill in the form or email us, wagupodcast at gmail.com. Let us know which other overseas, overseas sides uh, we should be adopting in the lower leagues. Now, we're going to take you back to Monday night last week at the Emirates Stadium in London, the Football Supporters Federation Awards 2013, hosted by the lovely Natalie Sawyer and the wonderful 
uh, AC Jimbo, James Richardson. We were nominated for... a short man, isn't he? He is, actually, isn't he? We noticed that in the bar before. And I've got to say, when we arrived, it was very, very posh. It felt extremely out of place. Champagne, reception, all of that kind of thing. And we met a certain uh, Premier League footballer who's been hitting the headlines. Here is a story of last Monday night and the FSF Awards 2013. Okay, so it's just gone 8 o'clock, Monday the 16th of December. We are at the Football Supporters Federation Awards at the Emirates Stadium. And Dave, would you like to fill everyone in on what's happened so far? Right, well, um, well we've just had some soup, uh, but before that we saw two of the awards. Did you enjoy the soup, by the way? I did enjoy the soup, although at first they just brought these beans and tomatoes out and a little bit of, like, puree, and I thought that was what they were going to call the soup. Soup out of ten, Jim? I'd say a solid seven. Like Dave said, I was a bit worried that all we were getting was soup and, like, pot. Parsley and spinach, it wasn't uh, particularly impressive at the beginning. But yeah, solid soup. Soup rating, Carl, out of ten? Eight and a half. Oh, I think it's well worth a nine. Excellent soup. But yeah, the, the two awards we've seen before the first, the, before, the, before the starter, was uh, the, the writer of the year, which went to Henry Winter. And as I look at you now, Mark, with your new slightly too short haircut, you actually, I think you actually look a little bit like Henry Winter. You could be, you could be like his younger I'm not brother. sure that's a compliment, but okay. Yeah, um, not quite as good a journalist as him yet. <laughs> yet. Um, and also, of course, we saw the player of the year. They got that one out the way early uh, the only player that was here of all the ones nominated was of course Luis Suarez and lo and behold he won and we got the chance to uh, have a photo with him before the uh... we did now Jim you, you took the lead on this didn't you yeah I went over and I thought my in-laws are big Liverpool fans so I thought I can't not go and have a picture with Luis Suarez thoroughly really nice man though very very yeah so we went over and I believe you asked him if he was interested in the move to Vicarage Road he didn't understand <laughs> <laughs> where yeah how was your main course? Absolutely wonderful. Better than the soup, in fact. I mean, I was the only one of all four of us to finish the every single last morsel on my plate. You ate so little, in fact, that they've only just taken away your plate after everyone else. I ate half four. Jim, how was yours? Yeah, massive. It was huge. Like, I don't go to many awards dues, but I can imagine the majority of the food is a little bit more dainty and elegant and uh, pie and mash. But Football Supporters Federation, you know, it's exactly what you'd eat at a football ground, isn't it? So, it took the words right out of my mouth. Yeah, indeed. Lovely bit of pie and mash at the end of the Now, how are, we, um, how are we feeling about the actual award? Because it's, it's growing ever closer. Do you think we've got a decent chance? We've got no chance. <laughs> Absolutely no chance. We are the Atkinson Stanley of this, of this event. Uh, meaning any disrespect. Well, we've written him off two or three times this season. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a good, it's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? I mean, yeah, Football Weekly should run away with it, but as Carl said, funny things have happened. And I'd like to say the player who's won more than 100 caps for the England women's team, who represented Team Jimmy at London 2012, and it's Arsenal's Alex Scott. historic moment has just happened here at the Football Supporters Federation Awards 2013 from the two unfortunate just come over and say that he has but before that <laughs> the award for best podcast went to Football Weekly ah. Well, there's no shame in that. Absolutely not. I mean, they've been doing it for years. They've got some of the best guys in the business, journalists, pundits on there. I mean, James Richardson, you know, we see him presenting these awards tonight, but we can all remember him uh, sitting in a cafe in Italy yes. looking over the Gazzetta della Sport back when we were when we were wee nippers back in the early 90s. So, uh, you know, this shows what you're up against and absolutely no shame in losing to them. I'm sure DC was saying it was a fix a minute ago, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, off air. Maybe opinions differ to one air, but no, as Dishy said, no. Mate, come on, the awards ceremonies, there's a lot of people when they don't win, they try and smile and clap and look at, you know, the cameras on them. How are you feeling? I'm a little bit gutted <laughs> that we didn't win, but at the same time, we've been beaten by the best in the business, so what can you say to that? Tired formula, if you ask me. <laughs> Should have stopped while they're ahead. Like, too Controversial bad. opinion. It, this does all feel a little bit like we are uh, the proverbial non-league team or maybe even a, a base, basement league two side. We've got, we've got to our level. We've drawn Arsenal in the third round. Yeah. We've had a lovely day out. Yeah. We're putting a brave face on things, saying that we've had the game of our lives, we tried our best, but deep down we're gutted. <laughs> so what's the plan from, from this point onwards then? 
Um, drink? Yeah, we've achieved the we've, Suarez we've ticked. Yeah. Award we haven't quite got. Who your target from the rest of the evening is? AC Jimbo, yeah? Well, I'm more interested in Natalie Sawyer, to be honest. <laughs> Are we going to get her on? She's a Brentford fan, that's why. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so the results of that later, perhaps. <laughs> So how's the uh, the hunt for soya going? Uh, not very well, unfortunately. We have looked at, we've scoured the room, we've looked at the table plan, and she's nowhere to be seen. I've seen that sitcom with Stephen Merchant, Hello Ladies. It's <laughs> not like that. <laughs> she's gone, isn't she? She's gone. Jim, got the last tube. Where's, a, where's AC Jimbo gone? Uh, Jim was happy to, to see Olivier Bernard. I think. Have we spoke to Bernard yet? Well, well ne- never mind that we haven't, but we've, we saw a collection of um, Newcastle United fanzines, didn't we? Just yeah. laying yeah. idle on a table over there. They neglected to get Olivia Bernard to sign them. But anyway, yeah, we've enjoyed the experience of being nominated for the Football Supporters Federation Award. Yeah, absolutely. It's been great, isn't it, to come down and be nominated alongside such illustrious company. It's a shame we didn't win, but... But, I mean, that aside, we, we did just manage to have a chat with a, a number of the guys from the two unfortunates, which, yeah. was, which was really good. More than two, though. Yes, there is there four, yeah, more four, four or five unfortunates, and more if you include us. The Trade Description Act. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's good, because obviously we read their pieces online, we have them on the podcast from time to time, but you rarely get a chance to meet up with these guys. And uh, yeah, it was, it was, although I, I, they have rather sensibly decided to leave and get the uh, get the, the, get, train, get the train home. We are in contrast. Dave's just started drinking red wine, having drunk white wine all evening. <laughs> and it's lovely, much better than the white wine. It's I should have I'm, I've been making a mistake all evening. How was the hangover then? Um, well, I didn't have to get up for work too early the next morning, so mercifully, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. But um, there's, I think there's quite a few clips that probably didn't make the final edit. <laughs> Mate, there, there isn't certainly there? is. Yeah. There was clips recorded after that point, which uh, were we singing a song on one. We were. For, you you were singing. Was it? it was uh, J- for Jason Banton. You were singing to Pat O'Banton, <laughs> baby, come back. Excellent. Why didn't that make it? Oh, that was the best bit. Dreadful. It was dreadful. <laughs> uh, right. Anyway, thank you very much to everyone who voted at the FSF Awards. We had a top night last week, and that picture with Suarez is on the Twitter if you want to see it. And of course, since he signed a new contract at Liverpool, very much turned us down, didn't he? Yeah. In terms of getting a move. Right. Let's start our weekend. Uh, Round up then, we'll start with the big game of the weekend in the Championship. QPR nil, Leicester City won. Jamie Vardy with a brilliant finish, worthy of winning any game, I would say. Um, and a huge win that for Leicester away from home. QPR's home, uh, unbeaten home record ended. Yeah, big, big result for Leicester City. And I, I obviously saw, saw the highlights of this game and it, and it looked... I think Harry Redknapp was, was pretty spot on after the game, actually. It did look quite even and it was just you know one clinical finish which made the difference QPR certainly had a lot of chances didn't they they looked like they played some really nice football I thought um, Gary O'Neill in particular should have done better perhaps and, and Matt well he was lucky to be on the pitch though wasn't he chances. Gary O'Neill yeah, yeah a... there, was, well, there was a similar one from yeah. Matty James wasn't there second half I mean and... in contrast to what Barton got sent off for very it's ridiculous I, I was saying just last week wasn't I yeah, that I was going to bring that up yeah. themselves, and I think it's exactly the case again with Joey Barton you know you've got uh, Gary Taylor Fletcher who's a, a Big hulk of a man going down, and he's not a bit. He's not been elbowed there. Barton has just shrugged him off his part of a physical challenge, jostling for the ball in the throwing. You know, he's not done anything wrong, and he's kicked the ball at him. Even that wasn't that bad, really, no. was it? I think I think the referee sent him off unjustly there. And well, the referee didn't have a great game because when the no. squirrel came on, he didn't have a bloody clue what David to do. Nugent did he? Did though, didn't he? <laughs> Excellent, fantastic. I've not seen him press like that for a while. <laughs> yeah. Um, so if you missed this, there's a squirrel on the pitch, and he wasn't going anywhere. Barton tried to chase him. Uh, David. Nugent tried to chase him and the referee was just I stood there saying well we can't play with a squirrel on a pitch excellent so well, I think you could ridiculous let him play on but, sequence um, of events I, I was I just am very impressed with, with Jamie Vardy this season and I, and I think it comes back to something that I've sort of mentioned a few times before and it, it kind of increasingly dominates my, my thinking when I think back to the start of the season when, when we when, when ourselves and all the pundits and the fans and everyone across the nation predicts who's going to finish where and you look at the teams like Leicester or Burnley and, and nobody necessarily was predicting them to be up in the top three at this stage of the season maybe Leicester more so than Burnley but you look at them and you make your predictions based on what people have done before and obviously that's all you can do but one thing that we, we never take into account the ability for players like Jamie Vardy or Danny Ings in Burnley's to case improve. to improve and be better. You know, you can have a season like Jamie Vardy coming out from non-league, going straight up in the championship, where it's obviously going to take him time. And he's learned, he's, he's improved, you know, from last season and he's gone away full pre-season, second season in the championship. And he looks a different player and he's got so much better. Danny Ings has gotten over his injuries with Burnley and now he's scoring for fun. Just because you've been average at some point doesn't mean the die's cast like that forever. You can get better and 
in these uh, two players' cases they're doing so this season. Absolutely. Well, the last five teams to have been top of the championship on uh, Christmas Day have got promoted and Burnley are top of the championship after a 2-1 win against Blackpool. Uh, but not far behind them are Derby. Seven wins in a row. This is getting to a stage now where they're going to be right in the automatic promotion oh, race. They are. Well, they are banging it already. They're, they're three points behind Burnley. And, it, you know, it's just confidence, isn't it? I think I think the players, the team's basically the same that was playing under under Nigel Clough. And McLaren, is, as he was talking about after the game, the balance is, is there in the team at the moment. And you've got a player like Chris Martin is a perfect example. He's a, he's a fairly average striker. Again, what we were just saying, it can, it can take a change of manager, a bit of confidence, and all of a sudden you, as a player, can produce things that previously you weren't doing week in, week out. And he, he looks on fire at the moment. You know, he's doing little back heels, little turns. He missed the penalty, but <laughs> he, he still went on to, you know, to carry on and play a big part in the game. Well, when we spoke to Steve Nicholson, didn't we, a few weeks ago, we talked about their upcoming run of fixtures and they play Huddersfield and Barnsley over the next um, few days over the Christmas period, which are both winnable away from home. And then they've got the game with Wigan, who've just won two in a row. And then the big date with Chelsea in the FA Cup at the start of the new year, which I'm looking forward to. Uh, elsewhere in the Championship over the weekend, then, a new manager for Watford. And what's the name? How do you pronounce this? Uh, Giuseppe Sinigno, I believe. Did you see the Instagram video of him? Doing yes, the <laughs> doing the old the, the song. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. Very enthusiastic. Um, so uh, what, what have you, a what, bird? What have you made of uh, his arrival? A 1-1 draw Ipswich to start. Which isn't a bad result, given that no, no. he's been on a decent run lately. But then you know, Mick McCarthy's comments after the game did just underline, we battered them last season, took them apart, and then you kind of makes you realise just how we've changed in a year. But... I mean, it's a mixed reaction, really. I, I think uh, we, we were very disappointed in the way that Zola resigned. Fair play to him. He left the club with... with Can I just say, by the way, we, did, we got the podcast out about an hour before he resigned. <laughs> yeah. I'm counting that as a success. You know, and if he, was, if he had been sacked, I think we, I, I and, and a lot of other people would have been disappointed and, and say it was the wrong decision. But because he resigned, it looks like a genuine resignation. You've got to say fair enough. If he, did, if he doesn't think he's the right man for the job, then, you know, fair enough and we move on. Uh, and this guy, his track record on paper, you can look at it and think, doesn't, doesn't look great. He's had a lot of clubs. I think it's like 13 or 14 clubs in, in 18 years or something like that over in Italy. But you've got to realise that Italian football, the culture is is very much different uh, has historically mm. in terms of manager turnover than English football, even though English football is probably catching that up. Um, you know, he, a lot of the lower league clubs, I think he got Varese promoted a couple of times who are a lower league club there. He got uh, Siena, uh, kept them up in Syria, who are a very small club. And that, from those sort of lower league successes, he then went on to get good jobs um, with bigger clubs such as Palermo. But he was sacked after three games in a season there. And I think two of them were against Inter and Lazio, okay. if, I'm, if I'm right. Certainly against big clubs. And he got sacked after three games, which, you know, is, is madness, really. And then he actually got rehired later on in the season after his successor had failed as well. And then they, they still... They do that all the time in Italy, yeah, don't they? And he was still sacked in the season. And then he went to Chievo and he won one in like his first first few months. And it, and it didn't go well for him and he was sacked. So he had, hasn't quite done it in the two high profile jobs he's had in Italy but he has got promotions on his CV he has got success of keeping teams smaller teams uh, with a limited budget in, in the top league so that's a good thing for us and, and it just looks like I was reading some stuff from Frank Smith that we had on last week in the Watford Observer this week and the difference between Zola and him is that this guy seems to be a much more of a, uh, an appointment in, in line with the other Pozzo managers that at Granada and Udinese over the years he's very tactically focused he's not a big name he, he fits in, the, within, in with their philosophy whereas Zola really was from what we're hearing now was a lot of technical training it was all about practicing the skills yeah. and, the, and the shooting and the passing and when that worked on the pitch we tore teams apart but he didn't really have a tactical plan B or any other way to change it which is what we saw this season when it went wrong he couldn't really do anything about it whereas Zanino likes to spend hours and hours and hours each week practicing the shape of the team depending on who's going to be playing at yeah. the weekend, the opposition, he's a lot, very tactically focused, less you know, so about the technical side of things, it, it seems. So there's a shift in emphasis there, and we'll see whether that you know can reverse our fortunes. But it's a decent point. But he doesn't speak English, which is a concern for me. There is a couple of the support staff, the physio, I think, speaks English and can translate, but I want him to you know learn that as soon as he can, because I think that's very important. A new manager um, in at Barnsley as well, uh, the old manager, Danny Wilson, uh, the one who got him into the Premier League many mm. moons ago, 
Rose go, gone back in there. Not a bad first result, nil-nil at Leeds. And also a team, well, who perhaps could be changing manager over the next week or so are Millwall because there's been a lot of pressure on Steve Lomas. Terrible reaction. We talked about the Mansfield fans being up in arms at Paul Cox earlier. I don't think it quite was on a par with what happened at the Den after they lost 2-0 at home to Middlesbrough uh, live on uh, Sky on Saturday evening. And Steve Lomas under pressure from a lot of the fans, DC. Indeed. And uh, I posted on Twitter the other day. You did. Um, an open letter to the chairman, John Berylson, from at Millwall Ant. Uh, and he claims to be speaking on behalf of a lot of the fans and he really savaged Steve Lomas um, and everything that's happened at the club since he took over. I mean, even before he actually signed the contract as manager, there was people saying they wanted him out. The, the banner was hung on the gate saying Lomas out before it had even been confirmed. <laughs> so um, what chance yeah. did he have? But the results... Uh, simply haven't been good enough, have they? They've been battered several times. The away form has been terrible. They have picked up the odd result at home. And speaking to a couple of Millwall fans that I, that I know, one of them has been vehemently against Lomas from the start. And has, <laughs> uh, I always text him Lomas in, Lomas in every time they get a draw or a win. Um, but he still wants him out. Um, and another one is uh, another one is kind of a bit more. Uh, considered about things and has said that yeah the results haven't always been great but at least I'm going to games now knowing that I'm going to be entertained and he's seen entertaining games he's seen plenty of goals he know you know they they have scored a fair few few goals at home um as in contrast to, to last season that terrible run in the, in the second half of last season where it was just terrible terrible football even if even if they did win but ultimately I think results will tell at the end of the day won't they and they you know losing 2-0 and what looked a terrible game against Middlesbrough <laughs> on Saturday evening um, it's grim. It was an awful Lomas game of does, football. He doesn't look as though he's really up for it, I don't think. He, he did look mm. a bit of a defeated figure, yeah. didn't he, on the bench? And that was, and, and again, something mentioned in the in the letters to the chairman. It, it, it doesn't, it seems as a Neil Harris, the assistant, is kind of the one who's there heading every ball on the touchline. Does that actually matter or not? I don't know. It's something that people will stick on a lot. I don't know if it really makes much of a difference. It's what I think goes on the training pitch in the dressing room that's the, mm. the really important thing. But the results aren't there at the moment. And, you know, another manager would probably be given more time by the fans. But Steve Lomas is, was always going to be this way. He had to hit the ground running. Um, but he hasn't done so. Well, that could be a change that's made over the next week, so keep your eye on that. Into League One, congratulations to Lewis Carey. Bristol City made a club record equaling 645th appearance. That's a hell of a lot of games. Do you know who, it's, do you know who he's e- uh, equaled it with? I've got it written down in front of me, yeah. Oh, okay. But I don't know how to say it. The John, Atti- John Attio. John Attio. Yeah. There you go. Did he play for Watford, did he? No. All right, I thought there might have been a reason why he knew that. Uh, that game finished one all at Notts County. At the top of the league, tell you what, they couldn't resist a good slade on top at Christmas, gag, could they? Leighton Orient still stay top, but they did lose 3 2 at home to John. Gregory's Crawley Nicky Adams goal the chip absolutely wonderful and speaking of great goals of the weekend the first one for Peterborough by and I want to pronounce this name correctly Cossian Clay an absolutely unbelievable never, strike. That's how you pronounce it. I've I never believe been so. Sure. Well, that's yeah. what they did on the Football League show, so I'm just taking their word mm. for it, which might not be the best thing thinking about it. <laughs> and the second goal, one more time before Christmas. Do, do, do. Let's all do the conga. Do, do, do. British Samba Longa. He's back. He's back. He got one. Uh, Preston Neil Brentford three. Brentford's unbeaten run continues. I think uh, that was uh, Preston's first defeat a in a long, long time. Brentford, it, first defeat in 12 games in all competitions mm. for a Preston. Nine wins in 10 for Brentford. Stunning yeah. start by Mark Warburton. They're yeah. right in the mix now. Yeah, well, he's just taken on. Rosler had got, he got them playing well again after the after a shaky start. Um, and Warburton's just continued that. And now they're banging it. And it looks like, as it was last season, remember this sort of time last season, there was what, about six teams, wasn't there, within a couple mm. of points of each other at the top of League One. We thought Leighton Orient might run away with it, but they've been pegged back a little bit. Wolves, you know, I, I always think, I've always fancied Wolves to come through, and they have at the moment. Um, I'd still, they'd be the team, out of all of those, yeah. they'd be the team that I'd be most confident of because of the, the players they've got, you know, the size of the club. They'll have money, I think, to strengthen in January if they need to. Kenny Jacket, I admire greatly as a manager. Are the others, you can all say, Brentford, are they going to wobble again? Are they going to, the bad memories of last season's failure going to come back to haunt them? Maybe not. Leighton Orient, the perennial uh, overachievers in terms of promotion race, can they hold their nerve and avoid doing what Tranmere did last season? I don't mm. think they'll slip as far as that, but they are going to have to. They're going to be mentally tested. I think they've got that small squad which we talked about earlier in the season. So will Russell Slade be able to bring in a player or two? You know, Preston have now got to bounce back from what was a really bad defeat for them to lose against your promotion rivals three 0 You know, they, the, 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 their credentials are now whether they can bounce back in the next game. Uh, good wins for Swindon, also uh, Walsall at the weekend, uh, and uh, MK Dons, who beat uh, Port Vale by three goals to nil. Interesting stat as well that I learned, uh, Sheffield United drawing nil-nil at Stevenage. Sheffield United have scored the least goals of any team in League One. 
the least number of goals. They've never replaced Chad Evans, have they, ever no. since he left the club. OK, right, down into League Two. And Chesterfield have gone top for Christmas after they won 2-0 away at Exeter. But it's extremely tight up there, uh, as you can see if you uh, look at the table. Uh, we mentioned Fleetwood losing 2-0 uh, to Cheltenham earlier on. Uh, also up at the top there, you've got Scumthorpe. This is incredible. Russ Wilcox has gone in after the departure of Brian Laws. Uh, four wins in five games, I well, believe it is. Five unbeaten. I mean, he's got to get the job, but I think it also just kind of when when um, Laws was sacked, I, I, I disagreed with the decision, and I, and I still do because I don't think there was much wrong. They were on a decent enough run. They they, they weren't far away from the um, from the playoff positions at that time. I think they lost to Grimsby, didn't they, in the uh, in the in the FA Cup? Yes, they did. Yeah. One of his final games, um, and that sort of ha- that happens. You know, teams do lose cup games to to lower league opposition. The league is is where it's at, and they're flying now. They're they're now third, uh, and Wilcox surely has got to get the job, hasn't he? You certainly think so. And uh, we can't finish the show without uh, mentioning uh, the man in League Two who did lose his job this week, Mr. A.D. Boothroyd. It's all come to an end six months ago or seven months ago. There he was on the brink of a glorious promotion at Wembley. And uh, it's all come crashing down to earth. Bottom of the Football League after that 4-1 thumping at home by Wickham on Saturday, who themselves have been on a really long run of games without a win. And uh, he's been given the bullet finally. Just couldn't go on any longer, could it, that form? No. And I think it's all rooted in the fact that they lost majority of their best players in the summer it's always hard to replace them especially at League 2 level when you don't have a, a lot of money going round and it looked like there might have been a brief resurgence a few weeks ago and they got a few loan players in like Ricky Ravenhill being one of them who, who I know uh, Northampton fans have been pleased with but the results again as we were just saying about Steve Lomas the results are, are where it's at and that's always going to be the thing that does you in at the end of the day they're bottom of the entire football league he came in and they were right down the bottom of the football league and he turned it round, saved them, got them to got them to Wembley, but now they've regressed and they've gone right back to where he started. It's back to square one. Uh, it's the end of A.D. Boothwood at Northampton Town and I wonder where whether, his next whether job it's is. the end of A.D. Boothwood yeah. as, as a manager uh, in the football league. Could he? He's always been spoken of very highly as a coach. I remember I worked with someone once that, that went to an open coaching session put on by the FA and Boothroyd was, was doing the coaching and and they were, they were blown away by, by how good he was with the players and how he broke everything down and explained the whole thing and certainly as, as a coach, as a youth coach and working his way up, he's got a very good reputation. As a manager, it has... He's become undone now at pretty much every club he's been at. He's had success when he goes in and then things happen and he can't turn it round. Then again, this is what's happened at Northampton Town. Would he pitch up as an assistant somewhere maybe or or a coach somewhere or maybe he'd go, uh, you know, do a John Gregory and go abroad somewhere. I don't know. (laughs) But it's been, you know, it's going to be very tough for him, I think, to get another job, uh, certainly in the near future. Okay, well, uh, that is pretty much it for this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. A reminder, if you want to get in touch, if you are an overseas listener, you can email wagupodcast at gmail.com or go to wearegoingup.co.uk slash contact. Oh, that's someone getting in touch right now, I think. Uh, also, you can uh, go to the website wearegoingup.co.uk to read the blogs. The SoundCloud page is soundcloud.com slash wagupodcast. And the Twitter is at wagupodcast. And uh, finally, a lot of plugs in one, one thing. The Audible offer is still there at audible.co.uk slash going up. Enjoy the feast of football this week. You're looking forward to it? Enjoy the feast of food. Well, enjoy the food feast of well. football and the feast of food. Am I looking forward to the football? I'm yes. probably looking forward more to the food than I am the football. <laughs> Actually, at the moment. Well, do you notice we, we nearly got through the show about me mentioning that Bury are second bottom of the football yeah. league there. So I think I'm with you on that Who've one. Have you got on Boxing Day? Uh, we've got uh, Scunthorpe at home and I should be there. Mm. I'm, I should be going. You're going to lose now, aren't you? Uh, we've yeah. got Millwall at home. So well, I mean, we've said it against Sheffield Wednesday. We've said it against Sheffield Wednesday. We've got to be beating these teams at home. But yeah. on form, we're probably the worst team in the league. So this could be my first same. first home game in a long, long time because obviously we work Saturdays. But I'm, I'm going to be home. Hopefully the, the weather relents and I'll get my first ever visit to the JD Stadium. Why not? In its new form. Uh, right, that is it. Thank you very much for listening and have a lovely Christmas. We'll be back at some point just before the New Year. So one more show to come from us in 2013 so we'll speak to you in about seven days time Merry Christmas this is the We Are Going Up podcast we've got the Football League covered every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.